You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Hey, hey. And Justin Davis. Scoop. We've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we've got that new, uh, all new PlayStation Plus uh, to, to discuss. The long, it had been rumored for quite a while as Project Spartacus. It was confirmed this week. We'll talk about the, uh, the delay of Breath of the Wild 2, which is a game, obviously, many on the show are looking forward to and gets discussed and brought up very often from <clears throat> time to time. But first, I would like to tell you all a story, if you will oh allow it. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. So I finished uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Loved Congrats. it. Uh, yep, loved it. Thank you. And played for a very long time, uh, but by, by the time I finished it, I felt like I was done with it. So. Mm-hmm. Then came time to decide what to play next. And I've, I, of course, have Tunic that I started and, like, and quite like a lot. But in the back of my mind, I was still thinking about Elden Ring. So I was like, what the heck? I'll, I'll <laughs> jump back into some Elden Ring. I had, where I had left off, I'd beaten Margit and I was in uh, Stormvale Castle and on my way to Godric, which is like the real, real first boss of the game. So I played through all of Stormvale Castle. I used IGN's guide and just put, followed along every step of the way. And I made it to Godric, and I beat him on my second try. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, that's like, that feels good. Like, that feels like a normal video game boss fight. <laughs> you try him a couple times, and then you beat him. Uh, so I was like, cool. That, that was fun. I had fun. I'm having fun. I'll keep playing this. But I'm, this game session is done. So I'm going to stop playing for now and play later. Uh-oh, my controller is almost out of batteries. I'll connect it oh, no. the, with the USB cable and I'll put my PlayStation 5 into rest mode. 
And instead of going into rest mode, it just crashed. And then when I turned it back on again, it went into safe mode. But oh, no. I don't know if you've ever seen safe mode on a PS5. There's seven yeah, it's options. Janky. It's mm-hmm. only seven options. And only the seventh option, the nuclear option, was available, which is to reset your, restore your PS5 to factory settings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't, didn't want to do that. <laughs> you lose everything on your PS5. Your hard drive, um, like your saves. Your sa- no, I guess you'd have cloud if you need to. Well, you do have your cloud saves, but anything that wasn't saved, like mm-hmm. my Elden Ring save that I had just made two minutes ago, uh, beating Godric. No. <laughs> anyway, I, I, did, I searched all over the internet uh, for <clears throat> uh, some sort of solution that didn't involve me restoring my PlayStation 5 to its factory oh, no. settings. I could not. Uh, other people have had the same issue. Apparently, oh, wow. there is no uh, other. There's no other way. So. I did it. I restored my PlayStation 5. It's factory settings. You have to download an install file to a USB, put it in your uh, PlayStation 5, and it just resets it like you just bought it brand new. I didn't realize there was that extra step, too. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just do it on because there's no, you can wipe it, but then there's nothing on it. You have to get the actual, like the latest firmware from PlayStation.com. So I have to re-download all my games. That's not that big a deal. But yeah, when I, the first thing I did is download Elden Ring. And my most recent save was from like three weeks ago before I uh, uh, progress. So it hasn't synced to the cloud at all. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like syncing constantly, yeah. you know, there's a set yeah. interludes that it, that it, that it uploads to the cloud. I mean, maybe that's settable. Maybe I need to look into that now. Wait, Same do you up. think it was the USB that set off the crash? No, it, this is a known issue with, for some people with PlayStation 5s. And in fact, my PS5 has crashed before trying to put it into rest mode. But before, when I oh. turned it back on, it would just give me that scolding like I didn't turn it off promptly. And then right, it would be right. fine. Yeah. This so time, what do you think the issue was? And what are people online reporting? Like the issues that they're confronting it's with, the same? It's putting it into rest mode. It oh, is technically nice. still not advisable to put your PlayStation 5 into rest mode. Oh, so quit out. I save, do that every quit. night. Me too. Yeah. I've never not say, done I know. that. I would say every 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 fifth time I turn on my PS5, it's like you didn't shut me down correctly, and it's very angry with me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. the same thing I always do. Uh huh. Yeah, the same here. I always put it in rest mode, and pretty regularly, it tells me I didn't shut down the proper way. I assume it's maybe when I'm for some reason when I'm switching between like my Xbox HDMI mm. input. Mm. I don't know why that would be, but mm. so anyway, I like rest mode theoretically. I did lose all that good progress mm. I made, but here's the thing: I just I did it again, and I got back to Godric, oh. and I beat him again. Nah. Uh, yeah. How many tries? First try. It was three First times. New try. Three times the second time. The second oh, time it took me three times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the second time I didn't use the IGN guide at all. I just made my way through the castle, and right. I, it's what you know. The the IGN guide is very uh, thorough. It'll have you pick up every item. In the mm-hmm. castle, but not every item you find in Elden Ring is relevant to your build. I, mm-hmm. I think right. You, you, so you can just skip there's like things a weapon you you're never going to be able to use. Mm-hmm. So it, it was actually much it was much faster the second time around. And what's cool about Elden Ring is like, you know, I mean, this is a known thing. This isn't some uh, revelation. This is just something that I'm discovering. Is like I could find different paths. Like there's like a route that's you're you're supposed to go through past some annoying enemies. But I'm up on a balcony and I see there's like a roof below me. And Elden Ring is really um, uh, forgiving with how how, how far yeah, it lets you fall. Walk off the get, edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could just jump on a roof and like totally get around uh, those annoying enemies. And even if the developers fully expected players to discover that, it's still like it's still a cool moment. It feels like you, you feel like you're uh, putting one over on the game. 
Mm-hmm. And then so I beat Godric again and I'm I'm still playing it. Now I'm like in the what lake uh Lyernia of the Lakes region and I I've gone all through the Academy of Raya, I, I think it's pronounced, and I'm at that boss. And I just play I actually just tried that boss once for the first time uh before the show. And but I did the coolest thing, you guys. I did the yeah. coolest one of the coolest things I've done in a video game for a long time. So in uh and I, I I hope this isn't spoilers. I don't think bosses are spoilers. I never will because when I grew up, uh EGM <laughs> posted pictures of every single boss in a video game long before I played. Mm-hmm. Bosses are not spoilers to me. To get to the boss of the academy, you have to run up this gauntlet, this long path with where giant boulders are dropped down towards you. There's a pull uh, uh classic a portal that's just dropping giant boulders. And it it kind of like winds from side to side, so you can avoid it, but you have to be paying attention. You have to go through all that. And then there's a knight sort of guarding the lift to the boss. So there's like a mini boss right before the boss. And this knight is very difficult. It's a carrion knight. Uh, it, he, he kept one shot at me. He was just killing me with one hit. Um, but what I figured out you could do is when I get to the top of that gauntlet with the boulders, I go into like this hallway and the knight's at the end of the hallway. I could shoot him with an arrow and aggro him, get him to chase me. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back outside where the boulders are. And the knight isn't mm-hmm. completely stupid. He knows the boulders were there. So he didn't <laughs> want to come out of the door. But I could like dodge the boulders and chip away at him with my arrows. That's one way to do it. But the, it, it was taking a very long time. And I, what I figured out is you can annoy him to the point where he'll get careless and he will chase you out and you run straight out and a boulder falls right on top of him and crushes him. It was so I love cool. that. I, I love, love that. that. I really wonder what like his AI programming is behind the scenes. If there's actually a like <laughs> get so annoyed in blind rage comes after yeah. you <laughs> like in a berserker yeah. mode or something. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, this, incredible. The point this, of this real, whole story. It's a real is, twist, Damon. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. Listen, everybody. I'm Damon. <laughs> my name is Damon Hatfield and I love Elden Ring. I'm going to keep playing it. I don't know. I, it's it. I'm a convert. Consider me a convert. Real so what, what did games? the yeah yeah seriously so what what shifted it for you Damon what was like the turning point aside Maybe from just, it completely wiping your PS5 which was yeah, clearly that your favorite part experience <laughs> that was my favorite part Maybe just coming to terms with terms of what the game is and like mm-hmm. figuring out how to play it and like it's, it's so cool that there's like there aren't many games the, the scenario that I just described there aren't many games with that level of flexibility of how you can approach uh, a conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, well, there's so, still some annoyances. I have an awesome katana now that I can't use, or at least I'm not supposed to use because I'm not at a high, uh, high enough like uh, level of intelligence, which is very fitting. That's so stupid. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably do some grinding, more grinding at some point, try to get my intelligence up because I want to use this awesome new katana. But I don't know. I really like the game now. And that's what I'm playing now instead of Tunic. I think that makes a lot of sense because uh, even, even if like a, the majority of what you had played before you had this turning point in your opinion um, shift, like a lot of game intros are really slow because yeah. they're tutorials, they're meant to be. So you kind of don't really get the full experience until you start building up and you start to flesh out all the different things that you can do and the weapons that you can equip and mm-hmm. certainly makes it a little bit more like the core of the experience that you can judge it on. Yeah. Yeah. And and playing along to a guide seems like it's a fun part of this too, which is really cool. I actually like games where I'm just like, you know what, I'm just gonna play along to this when it gets hard. Yeah. yeah. I'm not using it as a total crutch though. Like I I've, I use only use the guide very sparingly in the academy. Only yeah. if I like just got lost and didn't know where to go. Right. Anyway, that's my little story. Sam, you one hundred percented tunic? Well, I did. I didn't get all the achievos. 
because there's one secret achievement which is like a sequence break, which I might still go for. Hmm. What do you mean yeah. a sequence? Why not sequence break? It's like a crazy sequence break. It's like beating a late game boss, you know, without a, the first weapon. Hmm. It's like crazy. Cool. Um, like I, I wouldn't have. Been, you know, there's nothing indicating in the game that you'd be able to do this or. Or you know, I looked up like a, a guide for it, and I was like, "Oh, so this, this is how you do it." This sounds annoying, so might not do that. But I did get all of the in-game things. There's a there's a puzzle that nobody's solved yet. When you collect um, at the end of the game, there's two collectible sets, and when you collect one of this twenty collectible set and one of this twelve collectible set, they, they do different things. And then I guess I guess you can call the manual a collectible set too, which is like you yeah. you know there's a, there's like an actual twist to the game if you get the full book and it's so clever, it is really cool and it changes how you finish the game in an amazing way. But then after that, the last couple pages you unlock, uh, and this is, uh, uh, you could consider this a spoiler. So maybe like skip the next 30 seconds. If you don't know what's in the manual, but it's what's in every manual. Let me just say that the last couple pages are a memo section. So there's a kid's writing in it or, you know, somebody's writing a little cartoons and stuff and like puzzle solution attempts. Right. And in that, it's like all these like clues and like, I'm like some, like by the end of the game, like, oh, I understand a lot of this. And then it actually led me to a bunch of the collectibles. So I didn't need to use a guide for them, which is really, really cool. And I like felt like a badass because I was looking at like basically a treasure, like a pirate's treasure map, you know, and then going back to the game and doing like in game things based on very little information and then compositing like, this page is writing that's referencing another page's map. Like it's insane. Like it's mm-hmm. really, really cool. And you can figure it all out. Probably there's some things that are just really difficult, but then you unlock all that and you like, you know, you, you unlock an area that has like a total mystery and there's like discussions right now about what to do there. And they're like really, um, you know, they're, they're like not the, the regular type of puzzle solving that you learn how to do. There's all these different puzzles you didn't know from the very beginning of the game you could have solved, but you just didn't know until you kind of figure them out later, which I've talked about before. Anyway, there's an ongoing mystery, so that's cool. But yes, did get all the collectibles. I finished the game in this certain way that you're supposed to finish it in and et cetera, et cetera. And I just can't recommend it enough. I think it's my favorite game I've played this year for sure, easily. Very cool. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. And then, of course, next week will be the first episode of April, uh, which means it's time to start Game of the Year Watch 2022. So please be excited for that. And let's see, Tina, I believe you're playing Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Yeah, it was sort of by obligation, right? You know, Tiny Tina's got to <laughs> stick together. No, um, I, as you know, I'm a big Borderlands fan. I kind of fell off at three because it felt a little too samey to me. Mm-hmm. And yep. To me, Borderlands is very much a multiplayer experience, too, and I just never, you know, got a chance to sync up with people to really test it out on that level. So I kind of just, you know, gravitated towards a couple other games. I didn't mind too much about keeping up with three. But now that Tiny Tina came out, I wanted to see is the small twist of having an overworld and then the narrative being based on this like role playing experience with a board game and with characters that are kind of narrating the more like first person in game within the in game uh, stuff like if that would be enough of a twist and I think it is um, in a lot of ways it's still a Borderlands game it's going to feel super familiar uh, but I feel like enough changed in that structure to feel fresh enough to me mm-hmm. um, like the writing is still often sophomoric so also very <laughs> Borderlands-y but it's it also in a new way suits that role-playing nature because the, the characters that are your fellow uh, board game players are, are narrating as you go through and sometimes they actually switch up like they commentate on what you're seeing and they'll switch up what you're seeing on screen because they've made a joke about it let's say 
So I like that kind of like breaking its own internal fourth wall as part of the writing. And I like that twist of it. And then like Will Arnett, Wanda Sykes, Andy mm-hmm. Samberg, like it's a pretty star studded cast um, that as far as like the characters that are playing the board game with you um, and they they do a great job. I'm really enjoying their performances. You can you can kind of tell there's some like ad libbing going on there, them adding their own personalities to it. Uh, so the general environment is is pretty cool. Um, I'm playing the Clawbringer class, which I'm not too far in yet, but it it read to me like normally I automatically pick the Meiji, you know, witch wizard, whatever the magical ability class. Um, but uh, in this case, I pick Clawbringer, which is more of a melee class because the characteristics read like it was Kratos because you have like a big um, you can have like an axe or a hammer and you could throw it and then call it back to you as it hits enemies. Uh, cool. So I'm sure once I progress a little bit more, I'll, I'll hit that level. But um, in, if you're watching the video version of this podcast right now, there's a couple like this, this special ability right there where it's dropping in like a meteor <laughs> from the top and clashes onto your enemies. I have that right now. So it looks like <laughs> this is this is my class that we're, we're showing right now. So a lot of like big, dramatic melee moments um, that that's like really fun and frenetic uh, that I've been enjoying. Um, in general, the other character classes all seemed interesting, too, because like 50 percent of them have companions, including this one, which I really like. Um, I like character classes with companions. We need more of that in video games. Yeah. Uh, and and then I think the final thing I'll say, at least as far as I've gotten so far, because I'm playing co-op with a friend, so I'm very slow paced, like waiting for him to be available to play so I don't progress too much. Um, but I kind of forgot how fun it is to just constantly be switching up your loot. Mm. It's such a dopamine hit every single yeah. time. And I feel like extra powerful, even if it's just about the same like damage mm-hmm. rate, but just a little bit of a different style of, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the guns that when you reload, it actually tosses the gun and, and re um, uh, like redistributes it in your hand. Like just the differentiations of how things feel in your hand uh, can be a lot of fun just in terms of the variety of it. But I'm enjoying it so far. Okay. So knowing that I also loved Borderlands two, but couldn't get into Borderlands three, would you recommend tiny Tina to me if I'm going to play by myself? Yeah, I mean, I will say that when I because you have to play by yourself to a certain point to unlock co-op, you basically hit like a hub city. And that's when, you know, fairly typical in games, um, that's when you can unlock co-op. So I would say play up until that point at the very least, because I really enjoyed it and I wanted to push through the rest of the night um, were I not, you know, to have had the the co-op appointment that I had. But I would have just blasted through and kept playing because it felt I think the narrative layer on top and even though the overworld is pretty simple, at least right now where I'm at with the game, um, it's, it's cute enough because you can kind of like decide the direction of where you're going to go next. And there's a couple little hidden things on the overworld map itself, too. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll yeah, check it out. Right. Yeah. Justin, you're playing Kirby. Yeah, I am playing Kirby. It's so um, it's so charming and cute. Um, and Nintendo, not every nin- recent Nintendo game is like this, but you see like I saw it in Luigi's Mansion 3 and in Kirby where it has this almost like Pixar like quality in its animation and it's kind of level of detail and the expressiveness of the characters. And that's what it kind of reminds me of Um, Kirby. There's so many like tiny little things that make that game feel great about how he kind of snaps onto these objects in mouthful mode. And also mouthful mode is just super cute to begin with, but like, like he sort of, you know, will splat into a wall and then like, you know, sort of flatten down like a piece of paper. And then like one of them, my favorite one is he, uh, one mouthful mode is a, uh, 
he Kirby sort of gobbles up this big flashlight and then it's he's stretched all out over it over this not flashlight a uh, a light bulb and then you can you can like sort of turn them on and the light sort of diffuses through Kirby and so it feels <laughs> it feels very cute it's very filled with personality um it's extremely easy I, I'm probably um I'm probably sixty percent of the way through it and not only have I never died but I've never I've never even like I've never even like come close. Like, you know, the boss is like, you know, it's a little bit of a joke from that perspective, but I don't think like, it's just, you can't not have a smile on your face when you're playing and you're not thinking about the fact that it's easy. It's just like, what sort of silly thing am I going to get to see and experience next? Mm -hmm. Justin, now when you were a kid, did you ever get a flashlight and hold it up to your hand and you could see your bones? (laughs) Does Kirby have bones? He has no bones. (laughs) Um, It, um, something that's the, the game has two difficulties. <laughs> it has spring breeze mode and then it has wow. wild mode. I love I think, it's called wild. wild. Yeah. And like, and like, you know, it's like spring, wild. <laughs> Kirby go, ooh. Um, and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I think that's really fascinating. Like if you're remotely a gamer at all, like wild mode is what you want. Cause it's still dead easy, but that binary <laughs> choice of like, I don't think I've ever played a game before. That's like, you know, have a harder mode where you get more challenges or play this breezy mode. I'm like, there's not one of the two. That's like, this is the way the game's intended to be played. Like not having a middle choice. I just thought was really interesting. Like, do you want to play easy or hard? I'm like, Whoa, what, about, what about, what about medium? Um, but yeah. no, like e- even on wild mode, the game is, is dead simple. Um, it sounds like easy and easier modes. Yeah. Yeah. It is easier, easier. <laughs> and it, um, it, the levels are a little bit more linear than I was expecting. The game's trailers did a really good job of making it feel almost like Mario Odyssey, like of like yeah, kind of exploring right. these environments. And it's absolutely not like each game has like, you're literally like going from point A to point B and it has an exit, like an end that you're working your way to. Um, and so it's very charming. I play like, I, I feel like I'm playing it the right way, which is like 30 minutes each morning. Like I'm doing two levels and then starting my work day. And like, that's the way that I'm playing this game. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's like a game of the year contender or anything. Like if you're, if you're a switch owner that like loved Mario and Zelda and the other big switch heavy hitters, like, I don't think Kirby is like a must play, um, but it is, it's very fun. It's very charming. And um, there's way more personality to kind of Kirby himself than what I was expecting. Now, Maybe. are you finding clues to who killed all the humans? <laughs> it's very, what is it with Nintendo and apocalypse, like post-apocalypse these days between Zelda and Kirby and Splatoon and um, yeah. not, not explicitly Mario, but like even Mario Odyssey kind of had those vibes about it a little bit. Um, Anticipated our times too well. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that's annoying about the game is um, it has all these optional challenges in each mission and you don't know what they are. They're question marks and it doesn't kind of fill in until you do the challenge. You know, it'll be like, you know, knock over four sandcastles and you don't know that that's a challenge in that level until you knock over the first one. And I that's think it's like the guide for this game, from what I understand. Yeah. And I think for probably every single level I've done, like I've gotten like eight of the nine hidden waddle Like I've missed one in every single level. And so if I wanted hundred percent, the game, I'd basically have to play through the whole thing twice. Like I'd have to go mm-hmm. back through that linear level again to the, to the three fourths of the way through point to like get the thing that I didn't know I was supposed to do the first thing around. So I don't, I don't like, it's good for replay value, but it's, it's not, that part's not quite doing it for me, but, um, but the you know overall it's like every time i put it down i'm like wishing i could play more mm. nice maybe i'll pick that up cuz my son likes watching me play mario odyssey 
Yeah, he'd I, love I bet, it. Yeah, I bet he'll be and, into something. And I'm, I'm playing it. My daughter and I are co-oping through it. Oh, and I should mention the co-op is not very good. Um, no. It's very much an afterthought of um, player two keeps getting the camera focuses on Kirby and player two just gets warped back to Kirby over and over again mm. and can't can't pick up any of Kirby's powers. And it, it's definitely like, you know, a little sibling mode for sure. Got it. But um, what is player two? Is it a yellow Kirby or something? You're a Waddle D with a spear. Oh. Um, and we and my my daughter is seven and her and I are arguing like with the cop. We had to compromise. We're like, we trade off who's Kirby now. Because I'm like, I don't just want to be Waddle D the whole time. And she's like, I don't want to be the Waddle D either. So we take t- we take turns. It's only fair. I guess maybe it's good for like younger kids too. If yeah. It's a little bit more simplistic, like easier to just drag them along, make help them feel like they're participating, but you're really carrying them. Yep. Yeah. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S., that's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's talk about all new PlayStation Plus. Uh, This is a couple days old now, so I'm sure everyone has heard about this already. But now going forward, uh, I think this is planned to launch in June. There's going to be three tiers of PlayStation Plus. Essential, Extra, and Premium. They'll go for $10, $15, $18 a month. Um, Although you can do a yearly plan. It goes up to $120 for the premium. So that's twice as expensive as uh, PlayStation Plus is now. All three tiers get you those free games every month. The higher tiers get you access to, uh, you know, a Game Pass style subscription of PS5, PS4 games. And then the premium is what gets you the back catalog games, PS1, 2, 3, and PSP. We don't know what the uh, back catalog games are yet. So I'm curious to know at this point, Sam, uh, will you be uh, upgrading to the extra or premium tiers of PlayStation Plus? It's it's really hard to say. I mean, you you know the answer to this. It's like without without a games list. But I I am fascinated that you know Sony has a back catalog. They have 
90s mm-hmm. games. And mm-hmm. that's really unique. You know, Xbox doesn't have that. Xbox could put collections of third-party games on their streaming service or something like that. That would be a potential option. They've done like that with uh, Xbox Arcade back in the day. Remember, they had like um, you know, arcade games. You could walk around a little arcade. They could do stuff like that. Uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, Nintendo uh, has an incredible back catalog. Uh, I think, inarguably, the, the best back catalog of any system or any uh, you know, console maker. Uh, and they're... So, like, think about it this way. Their service is only retro games. It's only their back catalog plus the 99s, right? And then Animal Crossing DLC and some DLC stuff. But it's really like that's the focus of it. Like you're getting Banjo Kazooie and Ocarina of Time and Super Mario World. Like that's that's the point of it. Uh, for a lot of people, I imagine that's the only reason they subscribe. Um, Sony has that opportunity here to have that too. So maybe maybe they'll go for that, but they're making it the premium option, not the foundational option. Mm-hmm. The foundational option is like you know some games that are out now and a back catalog of recent games, and then Xbox, as I already mentioned, like not really any retro catalog except if you count Xbox One and as I mentioned, maybe some collections. Uh, really focused on like only the games that are out right now. That like basically you don't have to buy a box for, it. you don't have to download it. You can just like play all the new games like how different are those systems treating retro games and like their audiences it's kind of amazing and sony's like i think it's like really unappealing unless like it's an amazing back catalog library like it has to be you know right out the gate like symphony of the night the metal gears like the things that like people want forever in their collections otherwise so yeah the 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 big the games what games are gonna be available is a big question mark but sam you mentioned symphony of the night and metal gear solid those are relatively easy to play right now on on, on modern <coughs> consoles. Totally, and, that's a really good point. There are lots Sony of other games. games that aren't. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, there's the SquareSoft classic shmup Einhander, which I love. <laughs> and here's the thing: first game you brought up when this was announced. You cannot. I could not buy a copy of Einhander today for 120 dollars. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's two hundred dollars or more. Yeah. So I guess I could pay. It'd be worth it for me if Einhander is included. Play, I'd pay $120 to have access to Einander <laughs> for a year. That would be worth it to me. Uh, Tina, Tina, what was your take? Um, kind of similar. I th- think it's interesting that the general subscription philosophy is something that's being taken on by, you know, a lot of companies increasingly. It was a little bit inspired by like the Netflix model many years ago in like 2014, I think when PlayStation Plus initiated and then Game Pass and a couple years after. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that everybody's kind of coming on board, but still making it a little bit of their own too. Um, and seeing the differentiation and business philosophy around what's going to appeal to people. But I mean, if you just take a look at like our own audience's reactions, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are as thrilled with even the the premium tier um, for the new PlayStation Plus subscription model Mostly because when you inevitably line it up with Xbox's Game Pass, when you see the value of day and date first party accessibility on those platforms, I can understand the business risk. Obviously, it was like a risky move for Xbox to be doing that a couple years ago as well. Um, but look at how it's panned out for them. And then even reputationally, like their subscription numbers um, are constantly breaking records. Uh, it's clearly like become, even though it was initially a risk, it's clearly become um, a reliable business source for them. Um, and part of their new like metrics for how they're measuring success over there. And I think that shows also reputationally with the way that people talk about Game Pass because of those um, exclusives that come essentially free as long as you're part of that subscription program. So it's it's cool to see like, you know, Sony take a little bit of a different look in terms of emphasizing more of a back catalog with their premium 
uh, model, but that doesn't seem to have done it for a lot of our audience members at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without knowing what games are going to be offered, it's almost like, well, it's like, why, why announce it at this time then? But I think it was actually um, IGN's Jonathan Dornbush who made the comment that the announcement came just a couple of days before the end of Sony's fiscal year. So the, mm-hmm. this announcement is probably more for investors so that they know that they have got a Game Pass like subscription coming up later on in the year. And then as we get closer to June, I'm sure there'll be a whole event dedicated to revealing you know, what games people are going to be able to get with their subscription. We do have summer events coming up. Who knows yeah. what's going to be announced? Yeah. Well, speaking of summer events, since you mentioned it, E3 is not one of them. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> officially confirmed as of today's recording. Oh. But, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked about this before. Uh, a lot of us, old, a lot of us old timers still like E3. Um, but it's not like it, the way it used to be. The way it used to be, it was there was E3 and then that was it. Summer was a dead zone. But now there's there's so many events, and even though E3 is not happening this year, we're still heading into a very busy event season. I have uh, one, including IGN's own Summer of Gaming. What's that, Justin? Yes. Just I have one thing about the PlayStation stuff. Like, how badly did they screw up the PS3 that those games are still not downloadable and playable yeah, natively? You have to stream them, and like you know, and I don't really like. I'm trying to think like what PS3 exclusive titles do I really like critically want to have downloaded, and not streaming. So it's like I'm, I'm mostly just like teasing PlayStation a little bit. I don't think it's like some deal killer or anything. Mm-hmm. But but it is interesting. Like I downloaded and played an Xbox 360 game recently, and you know it had cloud saves and um, you know achievements unlocked normally, and it's there in my kind of game stream normally. And I plugged in a player too. Like everything worked perfectly and flawlessly. The game was upresed on my 4K TV. But then there seems to be no one left alive that knows how the PlayStation 3 actually works and like how <laughs> how games for it can exist now in 2022 is just um you know what was that the that was the cell processor cell era processor, right? Processor, yeah, like. Yeah. It, it, it's so fascinating to me. Like I kind of want to see, and, and again, this isn't like I, I'm happy to subscribe to this digital subscription service and stream those games. Like, so I'm, I'm again, I'm mostly just kind of teasing here, but I, I am curious to know, like it, it, I just, I want to know behind the scenes. Like I want to be on the fly on the wall and like understand how that happened with the PS3. Yeah. Uh, as far as PS3 exclusives, by the way, I would say infamous. <laughs> yeah. But do you want to stream it? <laughs> Well, I mean, if that's the only way to play it, I suppose. Yeah. But that was just like, you know, remembering some PS3 exclusives. Yeah. Like I liked Resistance, Resistance too. Zone. Yeah. A couple series like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd be, I think, Sam, you touched on this, um, but the PS1, like, like PlayStation has more history than Xbox does. They just, they just do. So I think that they can get away. I thought it was kind of, my gut reaction was like, oh, it's bold of PlayStation to come in with like a higher price top tier considering they're a little behind and they're a little late compared to game pass and they're, and they're trying to be even more premium and more expensive. But like, once you get back into those nineties games, like, you know, you both touch on it. Like some of them can be kind of hard to find and they're in this different like caliber of video game experience. Like they start they they feel more retro now than, you know, stuff from the 360 generation and on up. Sure. But it's going to be a hard sell. I think cause like premium is $18 a month. Uh, for three dollars more than Game Pass, you get some old games. Yeah. Oh, for three dollars less with Game Pass, you get Starfield Day One. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah. And I think that depends on your consumption too. Like for us, we're constantly looking forward, like constantly going from new game to new game to new game. So it's really useful from that point of view. Like I don't typically, one game that I do kind of regularly revisit is Portal 2. Um, but I otherwise don't really revisit older games. I kind of like move on from them, mostly because there's just so much new stuff to play at all times. I just don't have the time. I think part of the like the buy decision people will make for this because it's because I've seen this. I'm seeing this with Xbox. Thinking about it myself, is that like I can say you know I would buy a game a month or a game every two months or something and like make that calculation. It's like 120 bucks a year or whatever the lowest tier. So is it 90 for the year? The lowest tier? 60. 60. 60 for the lowest tier. So if that gets you like, you know, it's it's the price of one game and is there going to be at least one game that I play this year that it includes? Like then we, it's like well, you know. um but sorry, just to correct you real quick, $100 is the first tier that includes a year is the first tier That's that right. includes like a game library. 60 is the existing PlayStation That's Plus. Right. Like that yes, tier yes, is point, uh, yeah. unchanged. Yeah, right, so right. you'd you'd be basically like, is there like a you know a game and a half, two games that this is going to cover off on me for this year? And like people actually like are probably going to make that call. And with Xbox, it's really easy because they've already told you like what your calculation can be. It's like there's a couple of games you can look forward to, including one of the biggest games this fall, uh, for example. But they did that ahead of the the, the holiday season, right? There's like Halo and Forza last year were like part of Game Pass. Like that's huge. Yeah, so. You know, going mm-hmm. into this fall, if it's like, well, for sure, you know, God of War and Shadow of the Colossus 2, you know, which is a game completely mm-hmm. made up, are going to be on it, then it's like, of course, yeah, like, give, give it to me for 90 bucks. I'm saving 30 bucks. Or, no, I'm saving, you know, games are 70 bucks now, so I'm saving yeah. more than that. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm probably going to subscribe to both. Like, I'm subscribed to multiple streaming services. It's fine. And, and, you know, PlayStation, there's games from that back catalog I'm interested in revisiting. But, like, where this might start to feel less good or get more complicated is, is if there's overlap, um, you know, if there's overlap between the third party games, you know, we know EA has the relationship with game pass and those games are part of your game pass ultimate subscription. And if that's similar, like if you're also getting, you know, burnout and other games like that as part of your PlayStation subscription, and now I'm paying for both like, man, I don't know. Like it's, um, it has the potential to get complicated very quickly. Once you look kind of beyond the first party libraries. Yeah, the interesting uh, case will be the, the the medium tier, the extra tier of PS Plus. That's just PS Five and PS Four games. Because mm-hmm. like, is it just is there just gonna be a lot of overlap between that and Game Pass? Except Game Pass will have the first party exclusives. How 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 is how will Sony convince people who already have Game Pass to also subscribe to that? And or is there gonna start to be bidding wars behind the scenes for like the Capcom catalog to be only on yeah. one or the other platform? Ubisoft. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, probably. It's probably. Yeah, Xbox has the EA Play um <laughs> part of their their Game Pass subscription model too. So I, I imagine so. And I mean we're sitting we're seeing that sort of bidding war. I mean, I don't know, bidding war assumes that people are bidding on the same uh, company or, or, or program. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's exactly a bidding war, but we're seeing the same sort of thing with um, acquisitions as well. Like, you know, they're trying to kind of yeah. uh, increase the va- the company value, the software value, uh, which inherently informs what these subscription models are going to be offering people to. Mm. Yeah. It's probably going to make it more expensive for Microsoft to buy third-party games for Game Pass. I think it's probably a safe competition. Bet. Like there yeah. was the leaked, I don't know if it was leaked or announced, but like an amount of the, the amount of millions of dollars that they pay dev guardians of the galaxy on game pass. Right. And like that number will probably go up when there's another service also kind of trying to get those games on their service. Yeah. If you, if you add up the, the top tiers from the services right now, it's about 300, 350 bucks 
um, or at all. So it's like, that's the price of a switch, right? It's the price of a new console kind of. And if you're paying that yearly, that's, that's a lot of money and it's a pretty interesting future, right? But for that amount of money, I want every damn game available. Yep. And that's where like, I start getting worried. Like, am I going to be paying 30, 50 bucks a year to get this class of games? Cause I have to have them and they're not available anywhere else or whatever. Uh, Because retro games are like that for Nintendo, right? You can't really get them anywhere else. Or will I, you know, be able to, uh, and and then will I also have to buy a $70 game every once in a while? Like that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just not really like that with it's the comparison with Netflix is like, I still buy movie tickets sometimes, you know, if movie theaters are open. And so there is that, you know, like it it could be like that, but boy, game prices and everything are just, they they inflate this so much. And you just look at like, when, when can I afford a console again? If I'm paying 500 bucks a year for my games? Oh man. Like the the $350 annual price feels so much worse than like, oh yeah, $15 a month for two services. Fine. I don't want to, I don't want to know that math. Don't tell (laughs) me that's bad. Seriously. It is crazy. And that is the risk. Like I'm buying a console every year. Putting, um, essentially and like that's the risk with not that everybody's putting all their eggs in the subscription basket as consumers you know like a lot of people are probably individually buying games as well or maybe you know buying a game sharing with their you know their their circles etc and saving that way but the risk of us becoming dependent on subscription services because we feel like it becomes a catch-all and we get to play everything that becomes available or is popular and, and you know helps expand your library is what if they increase those prices uh, you know, what if they change the subscription models? Like even just recently, Netflix announcing that they might change password share or that they're testing changing mm-hmm. password sharing ability um, got everybody, you know, really incised because they don't want to deal with the implications mm-hmm. of like sudden rising costs. Like then it becomes something that was a value that has a specific um, you know, more value than the cost that you're putting into it. Suddenly that relationship shifts and you have to reconsider, okay, I do love Netflix, but do I love it so much was the reason that I initially loved it. The cost value to me, the fact that I get this much accessible to me, but yeah. now I suddenly have like increased um, prices and costs on all this stuff. Yeah. And the last time we heard from, um, I believe uh, someone fact checked me, but the last time we heard from Phil Spencer on subscription model costs for um, Xbox Game Pass, he was saying that, you know, it's still sustainable where it is. So hopefully no, you know, increases for people to worry about there. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like if you've been a Game Pass subscriber since day one, you've spent $300, $400 on Game Pass. And, you know, it's probably been incredible. You got to play all these Xbox games, all these back catalog of games like it's fantastic. Right. But but Microsoft could say tomorrow we're shutting down game pass. Sorry. And you know, you spent that $400. If you would have just bought Forza and Halo and whatever, you'd still have, you know, eight video games now in your library that you owned and you could play versus, you know, the services gone and you didn't own any of it. You were just leasing, you know, the opportunity to play it. Like I, I I even think about that with like steam, like I have a thousand steam games and, you know, Valve's a billion dollar company. Steam's not going anywhere, but like it's very different than the stack of games I have in my closet. Mm-hmm. And you can technically buy for both PlayStation and Xbox's subscription models. You can buy those games at a discount, but mm-hmm. then you got to do the math of all the years that you've been spending on the subscription prices and mm-hmm. the games that inevitably you did want to buy it to keep and the discounts you got on it and how that measures up to the years of sunken costs and whatever else. And don't do the math your own sanity <laughs> yeah don't do the math <laughs> we're, we're in the era of buy hard copies of games collectors because they will be in le- fewer and fewer uh numbers you know the print runs will be less and less the sam era yeah. mm-hmm. that's why we have, companies I have a like- warehouse 
So I've got so. companies like Limited Run Games now. They're just they're printing the most obscure stuff. I'm always surprised what uh, is getting a physical copy now. Snow Brothers. Now Snow Brothers <laughs> is getting one, Sam. Really? I watched the trailer for the new Snow Brothers. Um, a new one or just the old there's one? A, there's a new Snow Brothers. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's it's uh it's you know it's like bad <laughs> graphics slapped over the original levels and like 30 new ones or something. Sam, were you disappointed to learn you are not going to be playing Breath of the Wild 2 this year? I'm of two minds in this statement. I was very disappointed because I really, really want to uh, play that game. Um, and I'm not going to roll out the, you know, the, 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 the old chestnut of like, oh, but they need time to finish it. Well, whatever. You know, but uh, I do like the idea of playing that game next spring. I hope it comes out in the spring because I already know what games are coming out this fall and I want to play all of them. So like if, you know, I could, you know, the game could come out, I could wait to play it, but I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to miss a bunch of games this fall if Breath of the Wild comes out this fall. Like that's what I'd prioritize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's fine. Like I'd kind of rather have it. But also here's the problem with that argument is that when Zelda is delayed, it is delayed into fall, even though they say it's going to be <laughs> early. They always are like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it into early, the early next year. That's like, no, sorry, it's out. It's our, It's going to be out in the fall anyway. That just always happens. Yeah. Yeah, except Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that that's came it. out in the spring. Yep. Um, is that, and that's another thing I'm worried about. They said spring. They said that word. Mm-hmm. Does that original March release date count as spring? Yeah, they're like, no, we meant spring in the southern hemisphere. It's coming out in October. <laughs> well, if you take it Tricky. according to the equinox, spring has a very specific date um, yeah. that is different every year, but always around mid to end March. Yeah, so it could so still be a March game. Yeah, Good. definitely. I, for one, am not surprised whatsoever. I was, oh. I've just been waiting for that delay message, honestly, because I feel like we would have seen more of the game up until then and everything that we have heard, which has so far been relatively vague. Like we've only seen um, one sitting of gameplay, I believe. Uh, and then I guess technically a little bit more alongside this announcement. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, just a sliver, like barely. Um but what we do know is they're experimenting with a, lot of, with a lot of new features. You know, there's supposed to be a lot of sky play in addition to ground play. So I imagine that's complex. So however much time they need to to figure out the polish on that stuff sounds good to me. Yeah. And then there's the more powerful Switch part of this, too, which is like, true. is Zelda always lining up with a system launch now? Yeah. Maybe they're waiting for, you know, a good bundle. Justin, you think we'll all be playing it on Switch anyway because you will not be able to get that system. Well, that's what I was going to ask, <laughs> Justin. Do you, th- do you think Breath of the Wild Two will arrive alongside new hardware from Nintendo? I mean, it's tough to say. Like, it comes out next spring, you know, supposedly if it's on schedule, and that's six years after the Switch came out, and also six years after Breath of the Wild came out. So, you know, you have to kind of believe that that the the successor to the Switch is imminent, but. Two kind of points against that are one, the switch still sells like crazy. It's never had a price drop. It's still $300. Um, and you know, they still sell as many of them as they can make. Um, and in order for them to have a hardware launch next spring, they would have to announce that hardware this calendar year. And it doesn't feel like they would announce a successor console and lose out on a holiday shopping season for the switch. So, um, so I guess that's a long winded way of saying, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> what if it's a switch with two screens <laughs> <laughs> the switch ds <laughs> that's so stupid i love it 
I like the six years thing is crazy. Like, you know, I don't mean this in, in a pejorative way, but breath of the wild two is a direct sequel. It's an iterative sequel. Like it's building on the bones of breath of the wild. It's not like burning down Zelda and rebuilding it like, like breath of the wild did. And it's six years in development. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think that game was probably deep in like heavy, heavy production when COVID hit. Um, I just like I, I worry about kind of AAA video games in general. Like Suicide Squad is like eight years in development at Rocksteady. Um, oh my god! And, and I know I had a couple other examples of games like that that are like you know similarly like it just feels like it's getting really really hard to make a big AAA successful game on time on budget on schedule. Like I don't know how tenable that is. Like Nintendo's getting away with it because they're making billions of dollars on the Switch. But you can't take six years to make sequels like that and run a business that way in general. It's crazy how extended generations have become. The first five Nintendo consoles are all five years apart. Yep. All of them from NES to Super Nintendo to 64 to GameCube to the Wii are all five years apart. Hmm. Yeah. Which is like, now that would be a really short uh, lifespan for a generation, but the generations today don't feel super long to me. I don't know. No. It's weird that's the way that's changed. Well, 3D Metroid Primes are 15 years apart. So. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Or more. <laughs> so, what does Nintendo still have this year that we know of? Splatoon 3? Advance Wars yeah. got delayed to sometime. They have a they have like a slide that they released with like all the logos of like all the stuff that's out this year. Yeah, what else? What else is coming this year? Pokemon. This is yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, Wii Sports. I just wonder if Nintendo Switch Sports. sports. At the end of the month. Oh, that's right. Nintendo Switch Sports. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Lego, soccer. Star Wars. The Skywalker Saga. Well, I was thinking yeah, first party Switch. stuff. but Oh, first party. Yeah. yeah. Strikers um, is a game they announced. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Nintendo Switch Sports. Mm-hmm. I forgot about I completely forgot about that one. Part of the Wii series. You guys already said Mario Strikers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking right. at a calendar. I think they have some announcements to make. And, uh, you know, there has Fire to be Emblem. a call lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, live Alive, Live Alive. How do you say it again? Live Alive. Yeah, that's live alive. The, I'm really excited for that's that. Square Enix, yeah. Super badass. Some, you know, I wonder, we're probably due for an announcement for whatever the Mario team's working on. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I would love the next, the Odyssey follow-up. Yeah, and I don't. You guys already. Go ahead, Justin. I just I don't think that team. I may be wrong. I think it's like that Tokyo team. I don't think they. I don't think it like is a Mario team in the way that the Zelda team is the Zelda team, right? Like the Mario team, I think also made like Donkey Kong Jungle Beat and some other like innovative games. So, um, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But anyway, like what a talented group within Nintendo, and excited to find out what they've been working on for five years, four years. Yeah, it's so crazy. I think about this a lot with video games, like. At uh, a place like IGN, like we create content and, and publish a lot of content on a daily basis. We like create it and fire out the door and it's done when we move on to the next thing. I just like <laughs> can't imagine what it would be like to like work on something for five, six, seven, mm. eight years of your life. You're just working on one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then IGN some, gives it a six. Yeah, it's a game, <laughs> it's game reviewer. It's like derivative. <laughs> yeah, or it's canceled. They're like, you worked on, I worked on a level for six yeah. months that was cut from the game. <laughs> Uh, did we say Xenoblade Chronicles three? Because that's that's a fan favorite. That no, that is a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. One. yeah for and sure. I think we said Advance Wars. Yeah, right. that one. It Hopefully, got delayed indefinitely.
Uh, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at ingn.com, just like Big Tony style. Big Tony um, style. What's up? Big Tony, Tony style says, over the weekend, I finally got around to watching 2021's Dune Part 1. I knew going into it that it would end on a cliffhanger, so I had no issues with where things left off. <clears throat> Made me wonder why it isn't explored that often in the video game industry to release games in multiple parts to help shorten development time, given all the delays we see. Might not make business sense for publishers, but it's just a thought. I'm curious what your take would be on this idea. What, so, uh, Horizon Forbidden West. What if they release it in three parts? Mm-hmm. So, like, splitting... Splitting the most recent release into yeah. three parts. It, it, it's I working mean, great for Final Fantasy. <laughs> I mean, the whole the first part would just be the tutorial, the very long tutorial. Yeah, and that that was my point. Um, yeah. My first thing that I was thinking too, like I, I think there would be a lot of pushback. Like you, you remember the the original conversation that happened around when DLC became a thing. I think mm-hmm. it would be very similar to the kind of narrative uh, that that was happening around, like the introduction of that as a as a new format in games. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I feel like. Like I, I like my gut. Check, like I feel just as many games do end on like cliffhanger notes as like movies do. Like it's not super common in either. I would say, um, but like, like some do. I don't know. Like I actually, I didn't finish um, the first Horizon, but obviously the the sequel is set up by that game. So would you like Justin? I know you finished it. So Horizon would you say one. That that no, was, I'm, yeah. I'm still. I haven't finished Horizon. Oh, one okay. Yet. I'm still. I'm in the middle one. of it. I did. Someone here finished one. You finished one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, does it like lead into mm-hmm. is, does it feel like a cliffhanger yeah, that leads into? Right where it yeah, it totally yeah. does. There's a cliffhanger and then it has like a kind of like, you know, one of the scenes in the next one is like at the site of the last boss fight where you like I guess I won't go into it, but yeah. Right. There's, there's it, it's like directly linked. Well, because um, they do have like a big reveal in because I read a synopsis so that I was a little bit up to speed for two. Um, but then in two, they take that big reveal from the end of one and kind of play through that. So I guess theoretically, if there's like branches to a story where you have sequels, isn't that kind of the same thing as opposed to Final Fantasy seven, part one, part two? Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's a good that's a, there, there is a difference there between like the story just stopping and be like, see you in five years versus like, you know, the classic art of like, let's tell a compelling self-contained mm-hmm. thing that leaves the door open for more. Yeah, yeah. Telltale was all about the episodic releases. With yeah, that worked for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, well, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know what's uh, different about that series as opposed to any other video game, though, is that you could pick up and just, like start those pretty easily. I would just worry about the the riding the bike aspect of games. Like, I suck at games if I mm. even, like, I was seriously it's, worried. Like, I went a weekend without playing Tunic, and I was like, I am leaving this mm. at a really hard place. That's my exact like, fear. I, I do worry about when I come back to Tunic, I'm going to be like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I've been swapping between Ghostwire and Tiny Tina uh, quite a bit and the mechanics are so different. And sometimes I forget, like, let's jump again. I've mm-hmm. actually tweeted about it in the past for another game where I was swapping off between a few. And I didn't expect that tweet to take off. But I had like designers quote tweeting, like video game designers quote tweeting me being like, this is why we need something more universal, which I think is such an interesting debate. Like, should we have universal programming coded in that way obviously some gameplay doesn't lend itself to that way because maybe you have special you know it's obviously like a first person shooter and a first person shooter is the best way to like comparing on a genre level at the very least but even then you might have special mechanics that wouldn't directly line up but i think it's interesting like the 
the mm-hmm. comfort that you get with a certain control scheme. It was yeah. totally Assassin's Creed going into Red Dead, where mm. the ride the horse button was punch in, in Red yes. Dead. Yes, that's right. I remember that. trouble for punching horses in Red Dead. Yeah. And you'd be like sidling up to your horse outside a saloon. You punch a horse in the butt. It would kick you across the way and people start shooting at you. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. And also the personal guilt, you know, like that's the yeah. hardest part. Well, the horse also, the yeah, there was a similar thing with um, Ghost of Tsushima where I ended up, I kept slashing my horse, my sword, but yeah. I don't remember what, <laughs> that's right. what game was causing confusion there. It might yeah. have been The Last of Us 2, I think, came Maybe out. Maybe that like, was it. Yeah, with the horse. At the same time. Yeah, yeah, that could have been it, yeah. I mean, it used to be like in the early 2000s, it was chaos with control schemes and every like, you, like they're definitely like there's not literal standardization now, but like, you know how to aim down sights in a in a first person shooter. And, you know, like grenade is going to be mapped to like, you know, probably left or right bumper and that jump, you know, like, like, you know, like we have established this kind of like common norms of like, you know, the jump button, the interact button, the melee button. And like mm-hmm. when a game deviates from that that's when you're like, what? Like it just so, and it used to not be like that. Like video games, every video game was just chaos and they would map whatever they wanted any controller button. Yeah. Kill someone had like R3 to aim down sights or whatever it was. It was crazy. I can think of it. I find that like between PlayStation and Xbox too, just the two different controllers, like there's different standards for each of those. So if you're swapping between your consoles, that adds a layer of confusion. Like I'm playing Tiny Tina on Xbox, but Ghostwire on PlayStation. So the swap definitely catches me off guard here and there, especially when I want to take a screenshot. I suddenly forget and I'm hitting like the menu button occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I started an industry lobbying group just now. It's called universal horse button. So uh, <laughs> universal horse button.com. Let's raise yeah. this money. Let's petition as important the as the jump button. Yeah. Almost as universal as a jump button these days. <laughs> um, I can think of a couple issues with uh if you split big triple a games into episodes if we consider horizon forbidden west say they're releasing three parts um as much as i like that game like after i play the first part you know there's a thousand other games to play then and like whenever part two comes around who knows what i'm mm. going to be playing or if i'm in the headspace to go back into oh, it man. so it may just lose my attention right Mm-hmm. That reminds me of just just straight up like not even the gameplay stuff I was talking about like Netflix series like I'm watching yeah. all the Star Trek series right now like I don't remember what happened the last season of Discovery at all oh, dude I like, went through the exact same thing last night I like yeah. I was like oh they'll have a previously on and then they didn't and I'm like <laughs> I don't remember what you're doing or who you are or yeah. what anything is anything I was like I know this guy's face I think yeah. he was a main character last season but he's not yeah. part of the crew so like that would be totally in a game like horizon can yeah. you imagine like the the factions in that game and like what's going on like two hours into the game i was like i don't remember who this person was you know like I, they just were introduced Dude, for the life of me i don't know why tv shows don't bake in previously ons i know they should, yeah. they should do it for every episode for as far as i'm concerned but at least at the beginning of a season bake it in because like sometimes in netflix mm-hmm. if you can find it buried in like the trailers there might yeah, be a exactly. recap mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just bake it into the, the episode and then sometimes sometimes they're like they like they show a character from like two seasons ago like yeah. in sopranos and you're like oh <laughs> i guess is this <laughs> sister's coming back <laughs> Yeah, the implications. Um, but the other issue with the um, uh, episodic uh, big games that would be on the publisher side is Horizon Forbidden West costs, what, 70 bucks on PS5? Uh, mm-hmm. They split it up in three parts. Say they charge 25 bucks for each one. There's no guarantee that the people are going to pony up for parts two and three. Maybe they play part one. They're like, this isn't really for me. Mm-hmm. Now they've lost out on that extra 50 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. 
Anyway. Yeah, I think games should be just released early as big buggy messes. It's better for <laughs> That's, better for, for so me reading the current funny standard, stories about you're saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so things are going just fine then as they are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Colin McIsaac. In an undisclosed location, let the questioning begin. Is this a PlayStation Mm. exclusive? Is this a PlayStation exclusive? No. Ah, that ruined it. Cool, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was going to be all my questions. I should have started with is it an exclusive, but I wanted to go for the meta. <clears throat> yeah, I was I was on the same page. Um, did this game come out in the nineties? Yes. Mm. Cool. Could did this it... game appear at, on the PlayStation Plus streaming platform? No. Oh, well. is it a Nintendo game? No. Well, well, why couldn't it appear on the streaming platform then? Only if it was a Nintendo game, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Damon, when you answered that question, were you assuming that third-party games could appear on that streaming platform? Well, yeah, and that doesn't count as a question. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count as a question. Just to clarify, but remember so the, why? The, but why couldn't it? The the PlayStation subscription platform is just for PlayStation platforms. Yeah. Is this yeah. an arcade game? No, that's this a Sega Genesis game. No, what the fuck? PC. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Is it part of a series? Yes. Is it? Okay. So questionable series. Is it? Well. So what? So PC. There's not. I mean, there's not like. I mean, there's a billion PC exclusives. But like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, it's probably like you know, like a Blizzard game or like right. you know, one of those com- computer RPGs or point mm-hmm. and click. Like, there's only yeah. a certain few genres that like they never made mm-hmm. their way to console. Let's go Wait. for the genres. Is this a real time strategy game? Well, uh, no. What, what were you gonna say, Sam? Oh, I was just gonna start it wider as like a strategy. Yeah. Game. Oh, okay. Um, well, I was gonna go point and click. Should I not? Do you want to go yeah. that direction? It's fine. Is it a point and click game? Uh, that is how you interact with and control the game, but I don't think that's the genre you would put it into. And that's 10. What does that mean? It means it's like a mouse, mouse controlled game? Maybe like, like Diablo? So th- that sounds to me like a no. Like if it's not considered a point and click experience, like narrative style game. I, I, I think no. it just means it's an adventure game, but you might not call it that because it's because because it's missed. Right. It's probably missed. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was going in that direction. I Does bet Mist was... have 3D graphics. Does Mist have 3D graphics? Yeah, totally. It's like it'll have well, like the, the cyan logo at the beginning was 3D, and then when you move, sometimes it like it'll have like a like a mechanical bird go like squawk, and it'll like be in 3D. I don't know though. Like I, Mist was was JPEGs that you were like clicking on. Like it didn't yeah. have like mouse look it, or anything had, like that. It had postage stamp size rendering in it. Okay. Damon. <laughs> Hi, David. Oh. <laughs> so you want the answer to the question is it in 3D? Yeah. I don't think so. Alright, so well, it's still missed. <laughs> yeah, is this game play is this do you play this game in a first person perspective? 
I don't think I'm not going to answer. I don't think that applies to this game. Darn it. Let's do that. So we avoid any controversy. 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 Maybe it still is a narrative game. But doesn't mm. apply. Yeah, like maybe maybe you're seeing the view, but you're not like a human looking through eyeballs into that same view. Or it's a card game. Yeah, I mean, being a 90s game is tough, but like, you know, like, like text adventures. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think any of them were still around in the 90s. Give me a sim. We should still. Yeah, go ahead. Sims like Sims or SimCity, something like that. Could be a simulation game. Yeah, go, go that direction. Yeah. Is this a sim game? No. Damon. <laughs> Should we go Why'd RPG? you pick this game? I don't, Why, I can't, well, maybe. Why I, did I, I pick I, this just, game? Like, okay. What, there, what did you clue. say? What did he say? He, he said, why did I pick this game? Oh, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason RPG. to it. It's chaos every so week. So it's a Damy game. No, it's a Damy game, maybe. Yeah. Is <laughs> not this a, a PC game? Not a PC uh, exclusive, probably. Are you asking, yeah. is this a Damy game? No. You oh, did ask you ask that, that Sam? I would no, that's like fine. To. You can ask it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Amy? Yeah. Asking. Okay. Well, I've never played this game, so. Oh. That's how I'll answer that one. What about Definitely like a PC game? What What about like Lemmings? Yeah. Or like you know something weird. Like some like weird. Lemmings. He's. I was gonna say. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. That would be a like really a Lemmings like. Do we feel like it must be an ex- obscure game then, or maybe what? like a not rated highly game? What is it's? Is it, was was it called Zambuzis? <laughs> was it the, the educational game I mentioned, the, yeah. the journey of oh man, I forget it already. It's Zumbinis, but I forget the yeah. other artist. Yeah. Could it, what could if Damon chose that because of the meta? Is have it, is anything we said like b- d- d- eliminated? Is anything relevant? <laughs> it's three D, right? Uh, yeah. No, I can't remember. I would Google, but I don't want to hands off. Yeah. We'll reveal it later. Yeah, it could be, you know. Um, okay. Where do we go with this? Could be like Oregon Trail. And there's versions yeah. of Oregon Trail from the 90s, but I think he would go for an earlier one. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, with, uh, that's like, I guess I would call that point and click. I'm really thrown off by the perspective not mattering. I don't know what to do with that. Well, because first person w- would apply to that game because it's a lemmings like. So it's like you are looking at these things. Who are you, though? Right. And that's like where lemmings. like strategy would kind of come into play. That's in why general. it's point and click. So I think we're on the right course here. I think it's probably it could be that game. Oregon Trail. No, no. I think it could be the bamboozies. <laughs> <laughs> you say it differently every time. I don't think it's that. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. He might. Have we attempted to say the name of this game yet, Damon? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Is it really? Is it? How many more questions we have left? Six questions left. It's an educational game, right? Yeah. So we can ask: Is it? Is it an educational game? Yes. Is it an educational game? Yes. That's fifteen. All right. Do you wear many different hats in this game? I that would know. be a Zumbini reference. <laughs> I don't. Well, know. it is. It is in the. And it is in the Zumbinis game, so that's relevant. Okay. Damon. Um, he can't answer because he doesn't know. So it's. Uh, it's. I, it, think, it, I think okay. we got it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What are we going off of? Laughter. 
Well, that's <laughs> that's you, well from a screenshot, what would a screenshot go show Damon in this? Would it be that do you control multiple characters on screen at once? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's one. Do you control multiple characters, Damon? Yes. That could still it's, be Oregon Trail, though. It's no, not no, Oregon. No. It's totally Zumbinis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you die of dysentery in this game? Are, are you like, okay, hold on. Do you control creature, multiple creatures? Because Zumbinis yeah. aren't humans in Oregon. We want to make sure okay, we get this right. Yes. Yeah. It is. Is it Zumbinis? Well, should we do it? Yeah. yeah, I can ask is it. it. Is, this, is this the Jam Brand Bronies? No, I'm just kidding. Go for it, you. <laughs> is this the Zumbinis game? Well, oh, hold on. Can I it's accept like the, the Zumbinis game? Yes, yes because yes. I, I think it's like the legendary adventure or the adventures of or something like that. I it always is, forget. It is Logical Journey of logical the Zumbinis. Yes. Nice. I love it. Look, here it is. So no, not, <laughs> not 3D. Hilariously, we were both confused by that, too. Yeah. It's the educational <laughs> wonders of the Jambronis. Yeah. So you do wear, I guess I'm, now that I'm remembering, like you do wear some of them have different hats, but then also like you see the little propeller guy. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the little springy woman to the one with wheels. So they all yeah. have different sorts of abilities. And sometimes you have to leave the Zumbinis behind as you're progressing. So you start off with, I forget how many you start off with, but let's say 10, 12, something like that. And then as you go, some of them can't make it past certain oh. barriers. So you leave them behind. And the point is to try to get as many Zumbinis to like the last um, point, to, like from point A to point B as possible. Does it have a self-destruct for all the Zumbinis? No, it's a children's game, Sam. Well, Lemmings, <laughs> Lemmings does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because that's the best part of the game. Leave, you have to leave some Lemmings behind because they're part of getting the other Lemmings to the end. Yeah, and some well, of them are leave them behind, yeah. Yeah, and so to finish the level or to just nuke the level, you, mm -hmm. you hit a timer and then they all blow up and they blow up parts of the level. Well, this was a happy selection, Damon. That made my day. The, and I, I actually saw this as a hit in discussions on GameScoop's Facebook page. And Nice. Uh, that was part nice. of the reason why I chose it. Uh, Aw. Yeah, and it, that's why Colin McIsaac uh, suggested it because you mentioned it last week, Tina. So nice. That was Thanks the meta the this time Colin. around. Why did I pick nice. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah see like you it's you point and click to control but i think it's, mm -hmm, it's an mm -hmm. educational like puzzle game right yeah yeah i suppose that's what how you would codify it most and that's why i was saying just that the, the viewpoint doesn't really apply to that game sure yeah i guess you're kind of like god like you play god yeah, in that it's like game. <laughs> we've gotten into some uh some rough waters we talk about whether like civ civilization is a first person game right oh right. yeah 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 always um, Tina, did you know that there was a successful Kickstarter in 2015 to remake Zumbinis? Did they end up remaking it? Yeah, it, yeah, there it's was on Steam, on nice. and iOS. Yeah, and did it did it go over well? I, don't, I didn't, didn't review did it. Have so. good reviews. Well, yeah. So there's no there's no way to know in that case. Nope. <laughs> it took eight years, and IGN gave it six. <laughs> <laughs> Classic IGN. <laughs> Well, that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm looking forward to getting back into Elden Ring later this evening. Uh, thank you, it. Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop. We're out. Oh. Um.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.